so. Good times. Just don't call me late for dinner. All right. So I am super excited, super fired up. Man, I'm telling you, it's not just about getting able to, you know, being able to stand up here and to get into the Word of God and deliver the Word of God. It's about being in church, and it's about being in Bethlehem. And I, I will tell you that my excitement over the years has gone, but I can tell you it's definitely back, and I am super fired up this morning. So guys, bear with me. I might do, be a little Baptocostal this morning. I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to work through it. On top of that, it's a little bit of nerves, but, you know, hey, we'll work through it. Hey, I can Baptist boogie up here too, so forgive me. It's in Jesus' name, right? <clears throat> all right. I'm going to be all over the place for a little. I'm like a puppy with a new chew toy up here, so, um, you know, like a teenager with uh, no homework, a cell phone, and unlimited data plan. I just don't know what to do with myself. Uh, I'm like a Baptist with a bucket of fried chicken up here. I'm just giddy this morning. You know what I'm saying? So, all right. Whew. Man, I don't, know, I don't even know where to go. So, I, I will tell you, though, my excitement isn't necessarily from a place of being able to stand up here. It's from a God who we serve. And the things that God has been to me in my life and who he is to me, and I just think about the different things that he has been to me. He's my father. I mean, he's my redeemer. I mean, he's faithful. He's victorious. I was looking up here. I learned a new one this morning, the word darling. I never thought about that before. There's so many things that God is to us. He's the king of kings. He's the creator. He's the prince of peace, the everlasting father. There's so many things that God is to us. And he's so worthy to be praised that I just get super excited to see that this church gets it. And this morning, what I want to do is I just want to talk to you this morning about a few things that where we're at, you know, what God could be to us, but we have to realize where we're at. Uh, Let's go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. That's the fourth book of the Bible, in case you're wondering. All right, just checking, making sure we're all Baptists this morning. All right. <laughs> all right. As you guys turn to chapter 32, uh, verse 24, I want to tell you a little bit about myself because I am a little bit newer to the church. I'm not newer to some of you because I have been in Baltimore for a while. Um, my name is Mike. All right, let's go with that. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian family. Uh, my mom is a single mother. My father passed away when I was very young. Uh, We didn't go to church a lot, but when I was eight years old, I got to hear about the gospel, about the good news that Jesus died for my sins, and I accepted that when I was eight years old. And because we were, uh, my mom was a single mother and we didn't go to church a lot, I didn't really get started in uh, church getting grounded until I was about 15, 16 years old. And when I was 16 years old, God called me to preach and uh, didn't really know what that meant. Uh, but uh, over time, I came to a better understanding of what that is. And I joined the military when I was 19, and God saw fit to take me away to different places. And over the years, God has given me a tremendous opportunity as he's called me, as he's given me a different name that I'm supposed to be a proclaimer of the gospel. He's given me the opportunity to do that in different facets of my life. I've preached in five different countries. I preached with a translator once in Romania. So, and I've, 
I can't even remember the number of states. It's like 12 or 13 states that I've had the opportunity to preach in. But as I've been faithful to God, God's been faithful to bless me with the opportunity to be able to share with people what he gives to me. And this is something, as I joined this church, and my testimony is I was in a really, really dark place uh, in my own personal life. Um, I had backed out of church, and it's for me, from the time I was 16 till I was like 46 years old, uh, church was all I knew. And so for me to back out of church was something significant for me, and it never felt right. It just wasn't something that I was comfortable with. And so I'm very, very grateful for, to Bethlehem and for the things that, that you all mean to me personally in my life because uh, I, I see here that there's, there's a lot of different experiences, a lot of different people at different places in their life, but this is a church home for me. And I sincerely appreciate everything that goes on here. So that's my testimony. And uh, I will tell you, I, I am super excited. So I want to make sure you guys understand. All right. It's okay to get excited in church. Are you guys okay with that? Everyone say amen. amen. All right. So amen is not a bad word. All right. So just so we're, we're clear with that. There's some other things. If you want to say Amen, like that. You're welcome to say it that way. I don't care. I'm from, okay, I grew up in the South, so just bear with me. I do speak full-blown redneck, so I can translate there. All right, so I heard an amen down here somewhere. All right, I got brothers in the struggle up here. All right, good times. But, you know, you can be excited about church. You know, if you want to experience God, just let yourself go. And if something comes to your mind, you know, say park it there, man. Preach it, you know, yes, sir, you know, I don't, whatever. yes, Lord, I don't care. Get excited about God. Be okay with it, all right? So, as we come to chapter 32 of Genesis and verse 24, and I'm going to try to read off of this tiny, tiny print. Well, I got to get a new Bible. Eyes are getting old. Hey, look, it's on the screen. Good times. I'm going to cheat this morning. I didn't realize how small my Bible print was until I got up here. All right, so we're going to talk about names this morning. So we talked a little bit about who God is and some of the names of God. And we're going to talk about a person in the Bible, Jacob, and how Jacob and the life that he led and how he went from a deceiver to basically being one of the patriarchs of the nation of Israel and someone who God established a lineage through that we all came from. All right, so how did he go from that to this? How did he get... His new name. So in chapter 32 and verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the break of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, who is, or sorry, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. Let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you so much for the Bible. God, I thank you so much that I had an old name that I don't need anymore. Father, I thank you so much for my new name. God, I pray as we dive into the study that you would help us to examine our lives, where we're at, Father, but let us leave changed. 
Let us not leave as we came in. Let us leave better. Let us leave here more dedicated to serving you, God, and to letting others know that you can make a change and you can make a difference in someone's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have Jacob here, and he's wrestling with man, which is God. And to really fully appreciate the story, we really need to go back seven chapters, okay? Now you guys are like, oh, he's going to preach seven chapters worth. I got chicken going on. So listen, I already mentioned food, so I'm hungry. So don't worry about it. I'll get you out of here on time, all right? So I'm going to do seven chapters in seven minutes. You guys ready? You guys can time me. Who's got the, I see Carmen getting his watch ready. All right, I know he's going to call me out, all right? All right, seven chapters, seven minutes. Go back to chapter 25, and it says that Rebecca uh, was expecting with twins. Uh, we know the twins were Esau and Jacob. And that there was a struggle within Rebecca. The kids were struggling within because there were two nations. So Rebecca goes to God and said, God, why me? So those of you who have had twins in here, I see Sarah just came in, may have struggled and said, God, why me? You know. <laughs> But she's going to God and asking what's going on because the children were struggling within her. God tells her, like, hey, the, the, there are two nations going on within your stomach. And that the younger will rule over the older, which is a significant change in how the hierarchy of the family goes. So we already know that something's going to be different about this. And... <clears throat> We see that uh, they're the younger, um, as, as the children were born, Esau comes out first. Now, we don't know exactly the, the whole background of Esau's name, but uh, loosely translated means hairy. So he's like a hairy kind of guy, little, little dude there. And then we see Jacob comes out second. So Esau's the older, Jacob's the younger. And as Jacob comes out, we, the Bible states that Jacob reached out and grabbed Esau's heel. So heel grabber, as a, as a Hebrew idiom, is, it means uh, deceptive behavior. So we already see that that's setting the stage for that deceptive behavior. So one of the problems that we see also in chapter 25 is that the dad favors Esau. And as time goes on, Esau grows up and becomes a hunter. And dad loves him some venison. So, you know, I mean, he's a good southern boy. That's what, that's what we eat, right? So he's eating the venison. And uh, he favors Esau, but mom favors Jacob. And that comes into play later on. So there's a divided loyalty. So those of you with twins would say, oh, I'd never do that. Well, it happened in the Bible, right? So we see as time goes on, uh, Esau goes out and he is hunting. And he comes in and he's exhausted. I mean, he's just tired to the point where he's faint. And he tells Jacob, who's preparing stew, he says, give me some of your stew. And Jacob his first point of deception was, sell me your birthright. And birthright was significant because it was the double portion. It meant that that person was going to, as they received that birthright, they were going to rule that family, basically be over that family. They were going to be the head of that family, make all the decisions for that family going forward. And it was a very big place of honor. But Esau sees it and says, you know, if I die, what good does it do me? So he sells his birthright for bowl of stew all right and immediately afterwards he regrets it so as time goes on we already have that deception that went on and uh, 
Isaac, the father of Jacob and Esau, he's getting ready, he's getting on in years, he's getting ready to um, prepare for his death, so he wants to pass his blessing along to his oldest son. And these are blessings that are passed down from generation to generation, and uh, Rebecca overhears this and says, you know what, we're going to trick, he goes, she goes to Jacob and says, we're going to trick your father into giving you the blessing instead of Esau. So Isaac says, go out, uh, Esau, go out and prepare, for, or go kill a deer, go prepare the venison and bring it to me because I want to do that before I bless you. So Rebecca and Jacob go out and they prepare some meat and Jacob brings it in and basically tricks him into thinking that he's Esau. So Jake, or Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob instead. Well, Esau's had it. This is the last straw. He says, you know what? I'm done with this. You tricked me out of my birthright, and now you tricked me out of my blessing. You've got to go. It's time for you to die. So he is after Jacob. And Isaac and Rebekah not wanting Jacob to die, uh, they send him off to uh, Laban, which is Rebekah's brother, and he goes off, and he spends a bunch of time there. Am I over my seven minutes, Carmen? Yep, I am. All right. So he goes out there, and he falls in love with Laban's, uh, one of Laban's daughters, Rachel, but she's not the oldest. So Laban ends up tricking uh, Jacob. So, fair, you know, turn about his fair play there a little bit. Tricks him into marrying Leah, the older one, and uh, he ends up marrying both Leah and uh, Rachel. Now, to me, that's judgment enough, having two wives. I don't... <laughs> there we go. All right. So we see that there's some 20 years later, after all this happens, God comes back to Jacob and says, return to the land of your father. Return to the land of Isaac. And Esau's like, say what? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, Esau's going to kill me if I go back there. So he tries to bargain with God a little bit. And he tries to tell him, you know what, if you keep your promise and you tell me everything is cool, you'll be my God. So he's putting conditions on his relationship with God. All right, so as, as, he's, uh, as he's going back, uh, Jacob sends out messengers. Uh, so he's gathering up all his family. By this time, he's rich. Uh, he's got lots of stock. Uh, he kind of deceived his father-in-law a little bit to, to get all the all the stock that he got. So he's got a, a very large family, 11 boys at this point, a daughter. He's taken them all. He's got two wives, two other handmaidens who he's got children with. So he's got a big company. He's got a big crew. And they're heading back. And he hears that, uh, he sends out messengers to go tell Esau, hey, I'm coming back. No hard feelings, right? You know, try to smooth things over. Hopefully everything will be okay. And it comes back. The messengers come back and say, Esau's a-coming, and he ain't coming alone. He's coming with 400 people. Jacob freaks out a little bit. He's like, whoa, don't know if I'm ready for this. He doesn't have the men to battle 400 people, so he knows what's coming. He knows that, uh, you know, at this point, there's nothing he can really do about it. So we see that Jacob takes... uh, he takes a bunch of goats, sheep, cows, camel, donkeys, and he sends the herdsmen ahead. And he says, you know what? I'll try to bribe him. I'll try to, these are gifts to you. He even mentions at one point that he's a servant of Esau. 
So I'll send these uh, herds out ahead, and there's a big ring. Sorry. Am I too loud? All right. Okay. So he sends these herds out ahead, and he says, as you come across Esau, tell him, like, hey, these are gifts for you. And so he's trying to buy Esau's favor. All right. So he's got all these um, all these herds and stuff out ahead of him. And this is where we come to the point where we're at in our, in our passage that uh, he goes to sleep and he, as soon as he goes to sleep, he starts to wrestle. It says from, from night, from the time he goes down to the dawn, he's wrestling with this man. So that's where we're going to pick up uh, in our story. So there's a couple of things that we need to realize about where Jacob is in life and they're pretty applicable to where we're at. So the first point that we see here is we see uh, Jacob's situation. Now, Jacob is facing consequences. Can we pull There you go. Okay, that didn't work. There are all the points. Great, good message. Fried chicken, let's have fried chicken. No? All right, just stay with me. You know the points. Here we go. All right, so Jacob is facing consequences from his past. Genesis uh, chapter 32, verse 6 says, And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. And we talked about this. He's, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, he knows that there are consequences. He's tricked his brother, and there's nothing that he can do at this point in order to get away from the consequences. So you and I are at that same point in, at some point in our lives where there are things that we've done in our life that we, we have consequences. We have to pay the price. You know, I think back to a common situation that we all see is, is with salvation. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we've all sinned, there is that price for that sin, for the wages of sin is death. So common to us, we see the situation that we are sinners and that sin brings death. And here Jacob is going to end up paying a price for the things that he's done. He sees that there are consequences in his life. We also see that Jacob uh, praised God. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 9 through 11, it says, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which says to me, Return unto thy country and thy kindred, and I will deal with thee. And I, I'm sorry, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. So we see that he's, he's in a situation where he has nowhere else to turn. So he turns to God. And in that, he's realizing, he's starting to get a picture in his mind that there are circumstances that might actually be out of his control. To this point, he's trying to deal with everything according to his own will, according to his own power. And how many times do you and I do that? We try to go to God and we try to say, this is the way that I'm going to do something, God. This is the way that I am going to deal with it because this is how I'm comfortable. This is what I know to do. He's trying to go out and say, you know what, Esau, I don't need anything from you. I have my own wealth. I don't need the birthright. You know what, Esau, here's all these herds 
I don't need them anymore. I want to give them as a gift to you. I'm your servant. He's trying to deal with things in his own way. And at this point, he realizes that it's not going to work because Esau's a coming. And he's to a point to where he's praying to God and he prays for mercy. And he points out that he does not deserve. So his situation is he realizes that he doesn't deserve this. How are you and I any different this morning? That God did not have to give Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. To shed his blood for the remission of my sin. My sin. I am not worthy that God should shed his blood for me. But he did. And we see that Jacob starting to come to that point. We are helpless at some points in our life when we go to God and we rely on, the flat, uh, rely on the fact that God is not slack concerning his promises, especially when it comes to salvation. God has promised us that if we are to trust in him, we will have that salvation. We also see that Jacob, while he's starting to understand, does not truly understand yet. Genesis thirty-two twelve. Uh, says, and thou saidst, I will surely do thee good, and will make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. God has already made Jacob a promise. If he was just to give in to God's will, if he was just to give in and do the things that God has told him to do, God would fulfill his promise. He did not completely understand that. And I wonder, I I got to thinking about the fact that he was his mother's favorite, that perhaps he didn't spend all the time that he did with, uh, that he could have with his father, Isaac, because Isaac was Abraham's son. Abraham obeyed and was going to sacrifice his son. He knew that God would provide a way. Isaac, he got that blessing from Abraham. He knew God and he knew him in a personal way and he knew that God would provide a way. Jacob does not completely understand that yet. So there's, there's a gap there in his knowledge. There's a gap there in his trust. So let me ask you, in our situations right now, is there a gap in our trust with God? So the next thing that we see, uh, we see the realization. Look, so you guys are with me, right? You guys are with me? Got these? All right. I'll, I'm willing to send these to anybody for $2, okay? I'll, leave, I'll, I'll throw in the notes for an extra dollar, all right? <laughs> You're like, right. I'll pay you guys $2 to take them. How's that? All right, we see the realization. Jacob's realization, so he's starting to understand. It's a process. Is it a process in our lives sometimes? God's got to work it. God's got to work it a little bit. All right, how many of you, have, it took a pretty big hammer for God to whack you to get you through a situation? All right, yeah, hey, man, I see a lot of hands. I say, it's all right, you can raise your hands, you can say, hey, man, that, because it took some pretty big hammers in my life. And you'd think being saved for 40 years that I would really understand, I don't want that hammer. Well, you know, what the heart understands, the head forgets sometimes. So, all right, so we see Jacob's realization. We come to our, our passage, our text, it says, Genesis 32, 24, and Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. Now, just because Jacob has not yet surrendered to his plan doesn't mean that God's not working it. So God has to come to a point to where he says, you know what, Jacob's not getting it. In order to get Jacob to a place to where 
I'm going to use him and Jacob's going to achieve the goals that I need, or not need, that I want him to achieve, he's got to do something a little bit more drastic. So we see as Jacob's wrestling with the man, uh, we see that uh, Jacob prays, his heart softening. Uh, we also see that um, God is using actual physical means to get his attention. I want to point something out to you all today that it's not just a spiritual matter when it comes to God getting your attention. So God can use a physical matter when it comes to getting your attention as well. So don't overlook the fact that people suffer with things in life. Don't overlook the fact that God would put something or put an ailment in somebody's life. You know, I think about the different things in the disciples and how they suffer physically. You know, and then God uses these things in order to get us to a point to where we can realize that we have to be at a certain place. We have to understand who we are. And we have to be at this place in order to get that blessing, in order to achieve what God has intended for us. So I think so many times in my life, and even though that I knew where I was at, that I wasn't willing to really give in to God, that he had to use things in my life in order to get me to a place to where I could realize, hey, you, I've been called to preach. There are things that I have to be in order to get back to that place to where I can preach. When I walked through the doors here some months ago, there's no way I was in that point. And God's been working on me. He's been chiseling on me. And he's been using Pastor Matt to just basically take a ball-peen hammer to my head and say, you got to straighten up. you got to read your Bible. you got to get back. you got to get your prayer life straight. you got to get involved. you got to get everything back to a point to where God can use you the way that you were intended to be used. And so we see that Jacob is wrestling. God's using this wrestling event, WWE style. Boom, elbow, the people's elbow. I mean, he's going to do this whole thing. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all from the South, you know, you watch Saturday morning wrestling. You're not fooling me, all right? Like I said, I speak redneck. Some of y'all speak redneck too, so I recognize it. So we see that God, uh, the next thing that we see is God breaks Jacob physically to get him to a right place mentally. Uh, Genesis 32, 25 says, And when he had saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. I've ne- Okay, I had a hip injury when I was in the service. We were running with body armor. Body armor is probably about 45 pounds by itself in, in its full capacity. Uh, we had rucksacks on with another 50 pounds, so I'm basically running with an extra 100 pounds on me. All right, and... Let's just, I was in decent shape. I wasn't in the greatest of shape. It's towards the end of my career. You know, I was starting to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm getting kind of old for this. Well, I injured my hip. We were running with all this stuff on. And we ran a mile, ran down the road and back, running on pavement. And uh, the next day, I get up and I can barely walk. And it got to a point to where I had to call somebody to come get me to take me to the hospital. <laughs> And uh, it turns out that I had damaged uh, my hip, that I had tinnitus in my, in my hip, and it was to a point to where it was so painful that I could not walk, and I had to use a cane. And, man, the jokes came out after that. Oh, man. So <clears throat> God 
reaches out and he touches Jacob's hit, hit the joint socket in his hip, right? And he did that because it was the source that connected the power of Jacob's upper body strength and his lower body strength. That hip is that connection. It's the thing that tied all of his power together. And in our lives, God is going to have to break some of us at the source of our power. At the source of our ability to resist God, he is going to have to take that and break it down. And Jacob sees this and he realizes that he does not have the strength necessarily to fight God the way he did in the past. But what does he do? Jacob realizes then who he is and where he's at in life. Bible says in Genesis 32, chapter 32, verse 27, it says, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Jacob comes to a realization that there was nothing he could do. It was all out of his power. He is who he is. He's a deceiver. He's a cheater. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. He's done all these things in his life. And he says, You know what, God? You're right. This is exactly who I am. And that's where we got to get. We have to realize who we are before God can make that change in our lives. We have to realize who we are so that we have a starting point with God and God can make us who we need to be, who he wants us to be. And he can make us usable for him. So once he realizes that, God points to him and he says... um, uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll hold off on that one. So we see the situation that Jacob, he's in peril. He's in a bad way. We see the realization Jacob has come to the point and says, you know what? I, I am that deceiver. That's who I am. And now we're going to see Jacob's transformation. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 26, and he said, let me go uh, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. So God is saying, Jacob, let me go for the day breaketh. Jacob said, no, I'm done. God, I can't do this without you. I need your blessing. God, bless me. So Jacob realized God had the power to bless him. So he's like, you know what? I want that. Excuse me. And despite the fact that Jacob was already blessed, that he already had that promise from God, he wanted something more. He said, God, I'm coming to the point to where I realize that I'm not in my current state. I'm not useful for you. But God, bless me so that I can go out and be what you want me to be. I can go back to the land of my father. I can trust in you. So Jacob is coming to that realization. You and I in our lives, we have to really understand that God can bless us. He blesses us with salvation in that we we can't get to heaven without him. God made that way. So God, give us that blessing. We pray for that blessing to come down upon us. And as we go and we serve God in our lives, we need to be able to ask God for a blessing. We We need to be able to say, God, I don't, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy at all. This is who I am, God. God, please bless me. Work in my life, God. Make me who you want me to be. God, transform me. Don't make me the man that I... I want to be, make me the man that you want me to be because I'm not worthy. That's that realist, that's that transformation. At that point, we realized it. Now we're going to put it into action. 
And we see that God renamed Jacob Israel. It says, Genesis chapter 32, verse 28, and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. God's got him to that point. Jacob realized who he was, and then God blesses him. God gives him a new name. When we got saved, God gave us a new name. It's that transformed. It's that redeemed. It's that forgiven. Whatever name you want to apply to it, we are not the same people who we were before God came in and gave us that blessing. And we see here that God doesn't want Jacob to worry about who he was in the past. He doesn't want him to worry about the deceptive behavior. You're not the trickster, Jacob. You're not the deceiver. That's not who you're going to be. So I'm going to give you a new name, Israel. And he prevailed with God. And that's the name that Jacob's going to be known by throughout the generations. It's not going to be the trickster. It's not going to be the deceiver. That's not who Jacob's going to be. God doesn't want him to be called by his old name. He wants him to be called by his new name. God doesn't want you to be called by your old name. God wants you to be called by your new name. So we need to reach out. We need to take hold of that. We need to own that. We need to be new uh, new creations in Christ. That's who we are supposed to be. So why can't we come to the realization that that's what God wants for our lives? Why can't we just transform and give in and say, God, this is who I am. I give everything to you, God. Take it and use it. We struggle. We hold on to things. And I think of the time, the year that I spent out of church. The stupidity that I held on to. The reasons, the excuses I made not to get back in the doors. Stupid excuses. Stupid. Man, I, I had three kids. And none of them are here, right? All right, okay, good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rat them out. They ain't going to watch it, so all right. I think of the silly, lame excuses my kids made up as a teenager. You know, okay, I'm an interrogator. That's what I did in the Army. So, you know, and uh, their mother, she's a counterintelligence agent. She catches spies for a living. My kids are messed up, so. (laughs) But the silly things that they would say to me, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That doesn't even make sense. How is that possible? How is God saying that to us this morning? Folks, when we realize who we are and we come to that point, let God do that transformation. By the way, God God touched Jacob in his hip socket. He could have touched him in his head and been done with him. He could have touched him in his heart and been done with him. He could have done so much work. Do not, do not test God. I thank God he didn't come down with a 45-pound sledgehammer on my head while I was out. I thank God so much for that. But we see Jacob's transformation. And today, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. If we realize that we're a sinner, if we realize that there's that penalty for sin. We realize that God sent Jesus to die for our sins and that if we place our trust and our confidence in that and we ask him to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 
What are we, what are we holding back on? God, why? We're new creatures. We're new creations. Don't feed the old self. If you feed the old self, that's who will grow strong. Feed the new self. The great thing, <laughs> the great thing I love about God is he's a God of second chances. That's the name that I did not <laughs> bring up. He's a God of third chances, but don't test him. He's also a God of justice. He is a God of mercy, but he's also a God who will give us what we ask for sometimes. And if we're not doing what God wants us to do, and it's direct violation of things that he's told us that we know to do, as Pastor Matt stands up here and preaches, you know, as Cody stands up here and preaches, and Rob, these guys are bringing things to you, truth in your life that you need to apply. Things that have to be part of your daily lives. And then apply them. Have it, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I've been there recently. Just apply them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where you're at in life.